0: Hi, welcome to uh, Season 11. We're on Episode 6, which we're looking at platforms and ecosystems. And I, I, we love it because we're, we're investigating it and really trying to see how it applies as well. And um, so one of our big questions for this podcast is how do you scale? If you are creating that platform, how do you manage it and be able to really build it out? And of course, I'm Mary Abzia, Tom Spatale, Sean Wellen with Impact Planning Group, so I'm going to hand this over to Tom and uh, help us expand on our question, Tom.
1: Yeah. Well, I, the more we've all collectively looked at this, we more the more we realize that you know scaling a platform is really a strategic marketing problem. You know, it's there's the the supply side. You you need to attract and retain suppliers, and you also need to on the demand side attract and retain consumers or buyers. And so that requires a value proposition and it requires some of the other strategic marketing principles, segment, segmenting, targeting, positioning. But it seems to me that probably the biggest difference on a platform is that, you know, you've got the sort of chicken and egg problem that we talked about last time. You, uh, because you're in the middle between suppliers and uh, consumers or buyers, you have to figure out how to really get them both going (laughs) at the same time. It's sort of a sequencing problem because suppliers, I think, Sean, you mentioned this on the last call. Suppliers don't want to be there if there's not enough buyers. And of course, buyers don't want to be there if there's not enough um, suppliers. And so... You know it is a bit tricky to to do that and to to get that going mm-hmm. and so I, I guess what I as I start to, to look at it it seems like you know there are like principles of segmentation do, do you guys um, do do you, do you see that it's like um, important and maybe the biggest difference between traditional marketing is really trying to find suppliers and get suppliers and how do you do that you know, how do you kind of get an initial cadre of suppliers going?
2: Yeah, you know, I think there's um, it is it is one of those conundrums. I mean, maybe the bluntest instrument is what Xbox did when they launched their console. They they wanted to attract game developers. So Xbox is a platform in terms of um, gamers and and the content they they game with. If if game is a verb in that context, I'm not sure. I'm not in that not really in that world, but. <laughs> What they had to do was was invest and, and let the developers know we're investing half a billion dollars in launching this platform. We are going to go to the consumer shows. We're going to put it into retailers. And, and this is the proposition. So if you invest, this was one of the issues that came up. I mentioned the, uh, the, the, the credit card I was involved with where we had that this exact problem. No, no. It was a, a specifically for fuel. And if you didn't have drivers carrying it, gas stations wouldn't want it. And if you didn't have gas stations accepting it, drivers wouldn't want it. That was the conundrum. And one of the solutions, we never went down this road because it was too high risk, was to invest heavily in the consumer value proposition. So say to the, the gas stations, in my specific example, you take it and they will come because we're investing this much money and here's our program of advertising. So one way to break that that conundrum is to um is to invest heavily on the uh on the demand side and convince the suppliers that that demand will be there and you're putting your money where your mouth is that's one fairly blunt and expensive instrument but that is what some big brands have done they they recognize they can't start both together so they convince one that they'll invest heavily in the other
0: yeah sean i well i want to um i want to go into segmentation a little bit more with what Tom was saying is, you know, when we talk about segmentation, we typically think of it for the customers or clients. But I, what I like about what Tom's saying is, is I, you know, it's rare that, that we look and say, okay, we have to segment our suppliers and it with that um, one of the, you know, we segment them, what are all of them? And then our criteria of attractiveness would be suppliers that actually have an appetite for some risk because that might be one of our criteria. We're not gonna go after everyone, but we're gonna find some people that are more um, like-minded with what we're trying to achieve with our our type of brand that we're developing. So I, I, I like that idea of you have to almost do double work. You can't just segment customers, you gotta segment the suppliers too and use your criteria of attractiveness in both cases.
2: Kind of what Google did, isn't it? Because when Google owned desktop search, And then, obviously, mobile became a big thing with the iPhone. And I guess Google were worried that iPhone were going to lock out this this exclusive real estate in mobile. And they created the uh, Open Handset Alliance, which was for people that weren't Apple, the the Nokias, the the Samsungs, uh, other telecom companies. They basically looked at the market. I guess it was segmentation. It's like, who has got a vested interest in in stopping Apple becoming so dominant? And that's where the Android platform came from. So that's another uh, strategic initiative, I guess, is some form of of a cooperation network of people with a shared interest, which is at the heart of segmentation, the shared Mm -hmm. need. So Google said, look, we've got all these people that that Apple is stealing a march on the market here but we have an aspiration to protect our desktop footprint and to bring others. And that starts to create a network. And now we have two, pretty much only two competing mobile operating systems with Android and um, iOS.
0: So I have to point out that only Sean would know what Open Handset Alliance was. <laughs> I am mean, just like, where did that come from, Sean? <laughs> out of all of that trivia that you know, you would definitely win today's trivia with that. The O-H-A, huh?
2: Didn't yeah, I, I, yeah <laughs> what can I tell you? It's the, it's the stuff I read, it's my It's my job. I just can't, I can't tell you much about pop culture, but you asked me about um, strategic initiatives, maybe I've got something to
0: say. <laughs> it's very funny, thank you. <laughs>
1: what, what I think is interesting about supplier segmentation is you kind of think through the way that we often segment, supply or um, B2B companies is we say, you know, one simple way to do it is that some B2Bs are are, are their whole companies about operational excellence, you know, driving down costs and achieving volume. Some are about customer intimacy, having, you know, providing services and having deep relationships with customers and then the innovators who are all about being, you know, the first to market with with new stuff. And it seems to me that, the operational excellence type of company is probably the kind of supplier that's most attracted to a platform. You know, should that platform grow to a certain number of volume, you know, certain number of buyers that they can get their volume. But I just wonder if the, you know, there's an angle for platform providers to think through the other segments, especially that customer intimacy segment, right? In terms of their value proposition, because At face value, what you think on a platform as a customer intimate type of seller is I'm gonna lose some of that, right? I I have a sales force, I have my traditional channels, I have direct access to the customer, I can see buying cues, I can get information, I can form and build and deepen that relationship. And um, on on a platform, maybe that's owned by the platform, you know, that kind of data, the customer data You know, so so maybe uh, one of the platform, a platform that wants to attract that kind of of seller could be thinking through what kinds of information that they could pass through or make available to sellers so that they can begin to build that relationship, maybe even make the platform the place where that kind of relationship can can grow, you know, so that the. The the supplier isn't tempted to take the relationship outside of the platform after the initial sale. So it seems to me that, you know, the sequencing problem is you need some minimum number of suppliers before you have a platform. But then you quickly got to get a lot of buyers so that more suppliers are, are, are drawn in. So it seems like an early uh, stage task for any platform provider is thinking through how can I create that value proposition to get that initial cadre of suppliers so that there's at least you know, enough buyers who are interested in it and I can start that symbiotic relationship that grows things on both ends.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was almost thinking the innovators would go of your the three segments it, it, in the early stages um, there's probably not going to be as much efficiencies because you're getting all of the, the flywheel started. So, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they would have a more open mindset. And then the operational excellence, you know, they come in when you've got your system set up, and the customer intimate ones are going to wait until you can prove that customers are, are happy in that platform. So, I was thinking if the sequencing was different, but you're right, you've got to build Sizzle along the way, you know, even in the pilot, there has to be some sizzle that makes people go, oh, I wanna be part of this. And then you bake the cake a little bit more and you get some more, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting how you have to be more nimble and more creative perhaps than just a straightforward business.
2: Yeah, I guess this is like like a single user utility, isn't it? It doesn't rely on having both sides of the equation. So if you can create sufficient value for a group, be it the producers or the consumers, and have it as standalone value, then the critical mass that build then leads to the other part of the jigsaw, the other piece. So Instagram did that, didn't they? They they originally were a great tool for taking photos in your camera and editing them and putting some goofy things on. But they built up user utility that people with phones who wanted to take and adjust their photos, that was the, the bedrock. And then it became a social network and today it's it's a massive social network as, as as we know but it didn't start off it started off rather by creating a, a, a one-sided utility just for the people with phones who take photographs and want to edit them that was the whole focus and then that grew into a platform because you had this engaged so I guess that's another way is to, to look at one side and think of that single user utility idea how can we make it so as they want to stick around regardless of um, of having the equation balanced from day one
1: yeah sean i was interested do you know that your your xbox example kind of going back to that one mm. did were there any financial incentives for the developers so let's say that you're like you know um uh, a, a platform needs developers it needs innovators it needs people to create apps or makes people to create or or bring products was xbox financially incentivizing incentivizing the the developers before the the demand side was there or was it just promise of the demand
2: i don't know i'm guessing it would be somewhere between a promise of the demand as evidenced by the investment maybe some minimum order values if you produce this title then we'll cover you for the development i don't know I'm, i obviously I'm, I'm i'm saying that's what i'm speculating i know they they did wave the big investment banner as saying develop for this platform because it's going to be big so mm. beyond that i don't know the specifics but it's an interesting it's another strategy isn't it in broad terms is if you can get high value users onto the platform, they'll attract others. So if you could get big developers, big game developers making their games available for Xbox, then other, maybe more boutique or specialist outfits would also think, well, if they're doing it, then we better do Sometimes these, and there's another segmentation, if the high value suppliers will attract other suppliers just by fact that they're there. The only example I've got is quite a crude one. But when I used to go, out and nightclubs and that kind of thing sometime in the early 17th century i think it was feels like it (laughs) but a lot of nightclubs had a policy that that um women didn't pay to get in the clubs men did pay to get in the clubs and it's obvious why because men would want to go to the clubs that had women in In general terms, depending on your sexual preference, I make no judgment. I'm making this a personal anecdote. That was what the reality was. So, we, if you like, the high value customers were attracted and and they brought others in. And it's a similar sort of thing. I know that's a very silly example, but if you can find where suppliers that will attract other suppliers, then that's where you should focus. And maybe a financial incentive makes sense at that point.
1: It could. Go ahead, man.
0: I was thinking about, you know, in B2B, who's doing it? Because I like your your example is, unfortunately, very, very clear and true. Um, And it's a great pricing example, too, you know, who who gets to come in free. So um, I like that. I was trying to think if, you know, John Deere seems to be a company in B2B that has done something like it. You know, if you work with anyone in agriculture, John Deere has a very strong brand and they've attracted, but then they've worked with like this cadre of other types of suppliers that have built that that platform finance and um, probably even some kind of law you know if there's because there's agriculture is always under the scrutiny of of some type of regulation so um, so I was thinking is there any other b2b companies that you think are have done this or are on the forefront of it
1: well anybody that's you know it, it gets very close to the line of whether it's a platform or, or or not where you know companies have you know pulled together the you know the the broader ecosystem of products so maybe John Deere being in the in the in the middle but then beginning to you know look around and saying what are some of the other needs that our customers have and filling it in with trusted partners that can make the you know, the transition or the, you know, the, the, the handoff really, really smooth. Is that a platform maybe in some ways? Um,
2: It's kind of like the, um, if you have this, maybe this is more relevant for people listening to this who who want to create a platform. You've got to start as a producer, maybe. So if you already have a, a strong offer, but there's gaps in it, look at Amazon. they, were exclusively booksellers, then they broaden their range, and and of course now Amazon Marketplace, where independent retailers can come under the the uh, get into the big Amazon tent for their own put their stall out, is um, a whole new business. So Amazon Marketplace is a definite platform, but it started because Amazon were originally a producer and said, "We've got this great base, what can we do with it?" Apple did the same with. Um, with the apps, the app store, you know, you can write an app to go on the app store, whereas historically that was a closed system. Apple didn't want anyone else's software or anyone else's programming. They have strict protocols, but they've opened out a whole new marketplace where you can put an app onto the app store and you pay Apple uh, rent essentially for the space. So again, they start as a producer and then scale up by saying there's other people that could play here and it could be very collaborative rather than overly competitive it could enhance the offer so maybe that's another strategic tool is start off as the producer and then broaden out the supplier base
1: which is what you 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 wonder if that's what John Deere would would you would you say that strategy would be consistent with say John Deere then kind of looking at their their tractor line and seeing you know they've got this entire ecosystem and now they're they're saying well there's some holes in our tractor line maybe we bring in some other suppliers that have those kind now now you know is it is it more of a platform <laughs> you know because now now somebody can come on it's not just john deere and and, and and friends it's a place where i can go to find exactly what i need regardless of it's whether it's a john deere tractor or another John, and all the accoutrements that go with it finance and, and 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 legal advice and all of those things it becomes more of i think of a platform it, it seems to me too that patience is huge here. Let me tell you, say what I mean. I think that you know you've got to have this initial cadre of suppliers, right? Before you can attract any kind of demand side stuff, and so you've got to figure out how do I incent that initial cadre of suppliers to be patient, you know, while I I build I build it up. Um, but another thing that I think I see is, is another aspect of patients that I see is the patients to be really focused and then spread out. Amazon for many years, as you said, Sean, they, was, they started out as the world's biggest bookstore. Right. And and they and they slowly grew. I, I remember the. Um, waiting for Amazon stock price to appreciate in the early days. And it never happened for a long time because Bezos kept taking all the profits and plowing it in to creating more and more, you know, um, reach more and more product lines, et cetera, et cetera. So this went on for years and years and years. And look at the result now. I think their stock sells for close to $2,000 a share. If I'm, I mean, I remember when it was two. <laughs> three dollars a share
2: should have bought more yeah
0: so we um we're going to close on this on this note and uh, we really hope that you uh have started thinking maybe about your business a bit different and applying some of the basic principles that um you know you might apply normally but in a new way if you're setting up and starting to grow a platform and I, i do like what tom said about patience is is with everything make sure that you you know give yourself twice as long to do it because it uh it isn't easy by any means so thank you you can find all our podcasts on um pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts including our marketer.com website and um iTunes so thank you and we love keep telling us uh feedback we, we appreciate it thank you
1: thank you, thank you.